Are you ready to hear the word? All right. All the way from York, Pennsylvania, Pastor Dan Moeller. Come right on, brother, and bring us the word. Hey, guys. Hey. Oh, stop. Oh. <laughs> Yay, Jesus. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Come on, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> I know, I feel loved. <laughs> oh, I just got to get preaching. This is too good. There's an excitement in this room. You guys are... That, I, I felt it when I walked in. I was like, man, people are fired up. Like, what, what a heart of worship here, huh? Was that awesome? Like, they led that in a heart of worship. Like, that was no song service. That was awesome. Thank you, guys. Oh, my goodness, I'm glad to be here. That one song was getting me, man. We were like asking him to come and change the way I see. And what was the next line? If he changed the way I see, then he's going to change the way I see. That wrecked me. I was like, I was trying to get up and preach right there, but then we <laughs> said, I worship you, and that was a blow away. And I'm like, it just gets better and better. I'll just get up there when I get up there. No, thanks for your excitement and hunger. Some people meet, met me out there so graciously and were so sincere and just excited, excited about the gospel. I, I want you to understand something that, like whatever a man has, it's been given, right? Nobody has anything unless it's been given. So God gives grace through Jesus to men. And he's given me, obviously, a grace to communicate, to see some things. And here's what blesses my heart more than anything. I'm thankful for the gift. But I'm thankful that people want this message, that they're allowing this message to transform their life and that they're humbling themselves before the Almighty God. I mean, the fact that I get up here to share and a bunch of folks sincerely jump to their feet and like, yeah, and make me feel all uncomfortable and like, think, sit down. That's humbling. That's amazing that we're that hungry for truth and for the gospel and allowing it to be the truth of our lives. Amen. So enough said on that, just, uh, let's just keep going. Yeah. Okay, good. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Okay, so. Let's just keep going in the same direction, guys. It's not about where somebody's at and where somebody isn't. It's that we're all going the same way. Come on, Scripture makes that clear. We got to get away from comparing ourselves among ourselves and I understand there's people that we call heroes in the faith and stuff, but there's no superheroes in the kingdom. There's just people that believe. Like, he's the superhero, and then you got people that believe. You really do. you got believers. Like, in the end, in the end, when this thing's all summed up, what it's going to pan out to be, I'm pretty convinced of this in my heart. I don't know what that's all going to look like and standing before him and the whole thing, but when this thing's all wrapped up, it's going to come down to what we believe how we believed, who we believed. It's really all about believing Him, right? Like if He says, I love you through the cross, that should just settle it to a believer. <laughs> it's a done deal. So Jesus wants to be that simple in our lives. Hey, love you. You're a whole lot more than you probably understand. I've seen you from the beginning, and I never lost sight of the truth about you. And even though you haven't had a clue, I know, love you. And you living is worth my death, so come on and let my life come inside of you. That's really what the cross is saying. Are you with me? Yeah. You and I just got to believe that. 
And we've got to believe that, you know what? He loves me or he'd have never sent his son. You can't say, well, I don't know if he loves me. I just got laid off. Stop. You can't say that. He loves you because he sent his son. For God so loved the world that he... We, we can't look at the circumstances of life and then challenge and test God's love based on how things are panning out. We face the challenges and circumstances of life through the truth that he loves us. Like that has to be settled in your life. You'll never be rooted and grounded in love if you don't look to the cross to find it. Are you with me? Come on, I've watched a lot of sincere people weigh God's love and favor based on their life and how it's unfolding. But the reason that is, the only revelation they were ever given or the only thing they were ever taught was that God's here to bless them, God's here to serve them, God's here to protect them, God's here to provide. And when they look at their life, they think, none of that stuff's really happening. And all of a sudden, they get failed in faith, failed by God. Now their view of God is skewed. Their view of themselves is skewed. Next thing you know, their prayer life is gone, and they don't even have intimacy with God because they don't understand. They're confused. But they go to church, and hallelujah, and go through the motion. It's not the will of God. We've got to make this thing clear. We've got to make sure we're all heading the same way. That's the word that hit me. I was just standing there, and it hit me. It grabbed me. It was like, man... You, you might think, well, I'm new in this, or I've been in this a long time, and I didn't see that. And I didn't get this. It's not about where you are right now. It's that you're heading in the same direction. That's good, brother. Okay? Paul labored till Christ be formed in people. That's what he was after, Christ being formed in people. Not blessings. Christ being formed in people. Christ being formed in people is what will transform the world. It's what will transform lives. You and I walking in the light is what will expose and remove darkness. Just interceding and praying for God to remove darkness. No, no, let your light so shine before men. But if you don't have a higher revelation of why you're saved, and you just think God's here to bless you and benefit you, you're going to get misunderstanding, and then your light's going to dim because you're in a quandary and you're wondering where he's been, what did I do wrong, why isn't this working, and now you have all these questions and no answers. And then your light's not shining. See, if your light's not shining, then we're not walking in why, why we're here. If you let anything have the power to turn you off, well, then you're missing why he came. He came to turn you on. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. Unfortunately, that basket can come through a lack of understanding, through deception, through misunderstanding. That's why I loved it. When, when he causes me to see and changes the way I see, then he changes the way I seek. Did you get that? He purifies the motive in your life. And all of a sudden, the reason you pursue him is pure. And all of a sudden, you're living for his great name, not his benefit, his great name. So even when you don't seem to be getting the benefit, you bring honor to his name by the way you conduct your life and stay steadfast to truth. Are you guys with me? I know I talk fast. It just kind of comes. It's not my fault. I'm blaming that on Jesus. He can handle it. I'm blaming it on Jesus. Oh, you can slow down if you want. You're not in my shoes. Don't be so quick to think that. <laughs> you just stand up here and it just comes. It's a <laughs> And then you tell me how to deliver it. And I'm the one going, <laughs> it's just not fair. <laughs> that's all right. Are you guys okay? Listen, let's all head in the same direction. Let's all get a clear understanding today. I know there's people that know me, listen, love me. You've made that clear. How many people in here have never heard my heart? You've never heard me preach before. You've never heard what's in my heart. Wow, that's a lot of folks. Okay. Okay. 
Good. That, no, that excites me. That's like fresh meat. <laughs> where's, where's, where's my little buddy was in at Birmingham? Jason Hooper, you mentioned, remember? When a whole bunch of people raised their hands that never heard me, he said, whoa, brother, you're going to be like a mosquito in a nudist colony. And I went, I didn't even know if you were allowed to say that in church. Like, I was like, ah. But then I got the principal, a whole lot of targets. And I was like, ah, it was pretty funny. But it startled me at first, you know. Now all these people raised their hand. He went, no, they're, they're, listen, I, I've watched good-hearted, well-meaning people live their life and, 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 and get in troubled places because of the lack of understanding. He didn't always say that we're destroyed or we're not doing well because of wrong motives, evil heart, or hypocrisy. Sometimes the simple lack of understanding is the main reason things ain't flowing. You see what I mean? You're destroyed for the lack of... Your whole life you heard what you don't know won't hurt you. That's a lie. The language you were trained by is the opposite of Jesus. What you see is what you get. That's wrong. Bible says the opposite. Well, if I were you, I wouldn't get my hope up. Eh, wrong. Bible says the opposite. Well, God only helps those that help themselves. Eh. Well, you made your bed. You got a lie in it. Eh. First of all, in the end, none of us will be lying in the bed that we made. And you don't have to lie in that thing right now. It's just true. You can come out of that bed and get in the one he made. Sheets are clean. Sleep's nice. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> just that's a whole other listen. We gotta make sure we're going the same way. So here's what we're gonna do tonight. We've got to understand exactly why God sent his son. In America, the thing that's preached the strongest is to forgive us our sins and make sure we get to heaven when the bell rings. That's the biggest push, the biggest teaching that's on the planet about Jesus dying on the cross. To forgive our sins and make sure our names get written in a book of life so when the bell rings, we're on the right side. Was that what you were taught your whole life? That's all I was taught my whole life. I was taught that he died on the cross because I was a sinner. I better pray this prayer so I'm forgiven because I want to go to heaven when he comes and you better stay in church because you better be in church when he comes. Anybody taught that their whole life? So what it did was it left me a hopefully forgiven sinner. It left me a hopefully forgiven sinner because I still had the same sins in my heart. I still repeated the same things, but I prayed the prayer that they told me I had to pray when I was the same exact man. Nobody told me that I was going to get transformed. Nobody said that I can put off the old and put on the new. Nobody said that I don't be conformed to the world, but transformed by thinking like I've never thought before. And if he changes the way I see, he'll even change the way I seek. And all of a sudden, self-centeredness isn't driving my life. And all of a sudden, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, I love not my own life unto death. And all of a sudden, I'm not seeking my own. And if I live because he died, then I ought to live for my, not live for myself, but for him that died. These are all scriptures. And then I began to hear teaching after teaching growing up just about your provision and your protection. And, and all I ever saw growing up in adult lives 
was people living up and down, frustrated a lot, nervous, praying, doing a lot of praying, but it seemed like they were upset. It seemed like they were always problem-driven. It seemed like they were just always getting God to do something for them. And I never saw freedom in that. I never saw light shining in that. I never saw anybody that was living that way go to work and have impact because they were too worried about what was going down. They were praying for people to change because the people were treating them wrong. They weren't praying to see them like Christ and walk like Christ and love like Christ. They were just praying for them to change. And God, if you have to knock them off their horse like you knocked Paul, knock him off the horse. Oh, I, I saw it. I experienced it. And then I just quit going to church. Now, that wasn't cool either because it had nothing to do with Jesus. So the next 14 years were Jesusless. And then he invaded my life. And when he invaded my life, I cried when nobody was looking. And I wasn't being sarcastic. I wasn't being self-righteous. I was just being real and sincere with God. And I didn't mean no harm. And I wasn't projecting on people. But I clutched the Bible to my chest. And I cried in my bedroom, laying up against the headboard. And I said, I don't know you. I know now you're real. I know you're real. Because I just knew he bore witness to my heart that I was a child of God. And I knew he was real. But I didn't know him. I didn't know his ways. I didn't. I had all this teaching from my childhood. I heard sermons. I saw street corner preachers. I heard hell and fire and brimstone. I heard all kinds of stuff my whole life. I was, I was touched by preaching and stuff. And I said this to the Lord. I said, a whole lot of people are saying a whole lot of things about you. And I don't really know who's right or who's wrong, but I know you know who you are. And I believe you're in this book. And I'm asking you, reveal yourself to me. Please, God. I have to know you. So when I read, would you open up the truth of who you are? Here's what I didn't realize. That when that truth started to open up to me, I started to find out who I was in him. And it was amazing liberty and amazing freedom. And all of a sudden, the Lord started to change the way I seek. He started to show me a new motive in life. And all of a sudden, I realized, man, it wasn't about praying to get a whole bunch of stuff from him. It was praying about becoming something because of him. Come on, you be real with me. Guest speaker, visitors here, the young lady said it right. Some of you are here just because a friend said, hey, you got to check this out. So you don't know what you're coming to check out. You're just still trying, well, maybe you're not even trying to figure out if you like me. You might already decided. <laughs> but that might be the best we do sometimes. We just go to a church and we're just a God's assessment crew, you know. We get out in the parking lot after it's all over, what would you think? Or, or we have a lot of needs, so we're coming hoping God just calls us out, reads our mail, and speaks into our life. But a lot of times we're moved by what we can get from him. That's been the general emphasis of 90, high 90% of teaching is what we get from him instead of what we become because of him. Come on. You come to a special service, guest speaker, flew in from PA. Somebody said he was anointed. I don't know. But somebody said, hey, there's a testimony. Somebody got healed. The guy playing the guitar. Where's he at? Where's the guy who's playing the guitar? Could you play the guitar last year? You couldn't, could you? You playing it all year long? That's good. Wow, damn, oh, there must be anointing. That's just flat out weird. Jesus is Lord. Yes, I'm anointed. You're anointed. I'm not saying it's weird that we're anointed. What I'm saying is you never make it about a person, a ministry, or a man. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
Are you with me? Man, not everybody I've prayed for had those kind of results, but man, I've seen it a bunch. So then what happens is people tell their friends and then they bring somebody and then they're like, okay, and they come, we come to a service to see what God might do. That's sometimes the highest vision that we have when we come to a service. Man, wouldn't it be amazing if we come to service to be formed by him and fashioned by him to become more like him so we look a little more like him when we leave than when we came. Wouldn't it be amazing to actually walk in love and make peace and show mercy and not feel like a wimp or think you're passive or a doormat, but actually more like him than you've ever been? Wouldn't it be amazing not to change your view of people no matter what they're producing or what they're failing to see or how they're living or acting, but actually see them for their potential, their value, and their destiny, just like God saw you when you were really messing up? Wouldn't that be something if he'd come in and change me? Woo! Change my eyes, change my motive, and change my life. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Let's make sure we're all going the same way tonight. That's what he said. I heard him say it in my heart. He said, I want you to preach to them to all make sure they're going the same way. I turned you to Philippians. We're going to read it sometime. <laughs> Before we read it, we'll go back there. I'm not playing with you. I'm just... I'm just I never know what I'm doing, honestly. I know some people think it looks like I do sometimes. I don't have a clue most of the time. But I know it'll be the gospel. I'm confident of that. Let's go to Ephesians 4 first. In verse 11, he said, He gave himself, he gave, himself he gave. He himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? So that we have gifting to sit under, so we can get some impartations, so people can minister to us. No, nope, there's giftings in our lives, and God's placed giftings in the house called the church for one reason. For the, well, it's several reasons wrapped in one. Watch. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. He, now, who knows somebody's up there running sound, and that's a blessing. Who knows that there's ushers? Who knows there's child care and stuff to help us service flow? That's not what he's talking about, the work of ministry. He's not talking about making the ship float or the train roll or the truck to run called church. Are you following me? The work of the ministry is your life, your mission field, your sphere of influence. It's you walking in love and living by the Spirit. So, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Because actually, to flow a church service and serve within the aspect of a church, you wouldn't have to all have one heart, one mind, and one faith to do that. Would you? You would. Watch. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. I love when you're preaching, it's just pouring so hard to rain, it's just, it just feels good. It's like, man, I'm just believing this is good. <laughs> Let it rain. Yeah. Oh, I like it. The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up and the edifying of the body of Christ. Watch, verse 13. Till we all come, remember what I said earlier, so we're all going the same way? Watch. Till we all come to the unity of, did he say faith or the faith? That's a big deal. I preach about it a lot. You ought to take a little scroll through your New Testament and find that a whole lot of times he puts the word the in front of faith. And when he does, he's not talking about faith to move a mountain. He's not talking about faith to receive a healing. He's not talking about faith to get the promotion. When he puts the word the faith in, he's talking about a perspective and a motive that every one of 
us that's a believer ought to have and understand. That the reason we wake up in the morning is to shine. That nobody owes us a thing because He gave us His kingdom. And in His kingdom is the fulfillment of all things. Because to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, is to be filled with all the fullness of God. So I guess we're lacking no good thing. Woo! Come on! I can feel some of you are like getting hit hard with this. I don't know why. It's okay because I'm not going to lighten up. It's coming. I'm saying it with a smile. It's going to come. It's like turning up. I feel it. It's good. Come on. Some of the highest messages we've ever laid our hearts and our ears to are the ones that benefit us and fail to transform us. You can receive a healing in today's church and have no conviction to walk in mercy and walk in forgiveness. You can actually think healing's the goal. Transformation is the goal. You actually can think provision is the goal. Paul said whether I have enough or don't have enough, none of that moves me because I have a higher goal. Come on. Man, it ain't wrong to believe for provision. It ain't wrong to speak protection over a situation. What gets muddy is, is when you let that situation decide who you are instead of Him. We got too many good-hearted people that see their need for a Savior letting life speak louder than truth. And truth's what makes you free, and all of a sudden you're not even running well and you don't even realize it. And all of a sudden you're letting something matter more than what matters most. And all of a sudden that becomes your issue and your target of prayer and your focus, and years could go by you just trying to pray to find a way to get that to all change, and the whole time you were anointed to walk in the light and show mercy and make peace and manifest Jesus. Sometimes you can live in a home with one person called your spouse and let where your spouse is and trick you into being where you are. And all of a sudden, you just think you have a problem when you actually have the kingdom on the inside of you. You're just letting their life dominate his life in you. And all of a sudden, you think you can't be okay because they don't treat you okay. But yet, Jesus forgave you of everything you've ever done and put his life inside of you for a reason that you minister him in the midst of that situation, not fall apart and become a statistic. Boy, I wish we'd talk to each other like this a lot. I just feel like this is a living room, and God said, let's have a little family chat. Let's just go for it. You see what I mean? Come on, man. I've pastored long enough to know we've let one person in our life decide who we are and how we are, and the trouble is that person isn't him. And all of a sudden, we have a justification for not shining. All of a sudden, we have a reason for not walking in the light as he's in the light. And all of a sudden, it's your story instead of his. And all of a sudden, it's, well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, back off, mister. You don't know my story. And all of a sudden, we're lording our life over his life that wants to reign. So what's it look like to call all things dead and to put off everything that's old? What's it look like to be a new creature created in Christ? Old things pass away. Behold, all things. So if you're not the person of yesterday, why does yesterday still matter? Look, I understand. Come on, we've been touched wrong. We've been treated wrong. We all have a story of some level. Some is nightmare, horrible. Some isn't quite as bad, but it's all bad in a sense because we were all touched by sin. We were all touched by darkness. We were all touched by people that didn't care about anything but themselves. Every one of us. Come on, by a very young age, you were nothing more than how you responded to how it unfolded. And then because you have no identity, that becomes you. And it's a lie. You have new life through Jesus Christ. 
I'm not a man that had an alcoholic dad that never said he loved me. I'm not a man that got touched strong at a very young age. I'm not a man who had a mother that was sick 40 years and died. You don't see any of that when you see me. Because none of that is who I am. And it doesn't matter because a higher truth has come. It's called Christ in me, the hope of glory. But if I don't understand this and nobody's preaching it clear, I actually have the ability and capacity to question God, get mad at God. Well, where were you when I got touched wrong? Why weren't you there? Why didn't you protect me? Why didn't you watch my back? Why'd you let him do it? And all of a sudden, the clay is accusing the potter and somehow finding fault, not understanding we're in this war and we're called to live by faith. And there's a demon war against the kingdom of God and you're in the middle and get to fight on behalf of the king. And if you muddy that up, it'll get muddy. If you, if you misunderstand that right there, that we're in a demon war against the kingdom of God and you get to fight on behalf of the king. See, you'll never do that if you don't listen to Jesus. Jesus never said, pray a prayer so you can go to heaven. He never said it. We say it. That's our recipe. He said, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. He never said, get a life insurance policy. He said, get a new life. Come on. I'm not being mean. We have made the gospel to benefit us without transforming us. We have preached a message that soothes our hearts and raises our hopes. And a lot of people show up at church discouraged because the message ain't working in their circumstances. And when a person does them wrong, they live done wrong because they don't know how to walk in the light. When they're betrayed, they live betrayed because they haven't denied themselves. Come on, if God lived betrayed because he was betrayed, he's always betrayed and we have no hope. So we couldn't have learned that from him because that's not him. Come on, bear with me. You know what grieves me sometimes? And not in a negative way. I won't let it take me anywhere silly. But I'll tell you what grieves me. When I'm in a room and I perceive what I'm saying is foreign to people. That's what grieves me. When it's like radical. When it's just normal. It's just straight up scripture. What, what's so hard? I'm not being mean. Watch. What's so hard about this? Deny myself. Wow. So the devil wasn't my biggest enemy. You're never my biggest enemy. My word's not flesh and blood. Living for me when I'm made for his image and created to shine is the biggest problem on the planet. It's me living for me when I'm made for his glory. So if I'm a Christian for me, that has to be just as deceived. So if I'm a Christian for my well-being and not his great name, I'll probably have attitudes that are destructive and non-productive. And I'll probably be justified in my emotions because of the facts, and I won't even overcome evil with good. <laughs> that's, that's pretty clear. Are you getting this? Come on. If he changes the way I see, he'll change the way I see. And all of a sudden, the pure in heart shall see God. See God. Oh, my goodness. I'm not exploiting this young lady. She'll understand. Sometimes, you've probably been prayed for before. We've prayed for people. We haven't seen things change. That grates on me just like it grates on you. I want to see everything change because when I read my Bible, you know what I'm saying. But we still have to face the reality. If we're walking through something, if we're growing into an area, we have to know what it means to walk in the light. It's easy in the light in our situation and understand what that means to 
to keep ourselves in Him in the face of every trial in our life. And some have way different trials than others, it seems. They're not God-ordained. They're just parts of life. And we're looking for answers through the Gospel and we're going after Him. But here's the biggest thing we can do. Keep our eyes on why we wake up and who we are in Him and who He is in us. And keep walking in the light as He is in the light. My mother had MS for 40 years. The last 15 years of her life, she didn't walk. She laid there and tubes took care of her and people changed her pants and I was one of them. It wasn't fun. It was real. And it was daily. So You can't tell me I don't understand. But you can tell that that hasn't changed a thing about who Jesus is and why we're all alive. Guys, we already won. If I'm just a Christian to get through this life in the way I hope, I'm going to miss why I'm a Christian. And then I'm going to let the things that didn't work out the way I hope decide who I am and how I am and the legacy and what I sow and impart. And all of a sudden, my attitude's a mess because my mom died. And then we're singing, He never failed me yet. And I'm saying, yeah, He failed me. He never healed my mom. And I prayed a thousand times. I watched her suffer. Why'd you have to suffer for 40 years? God, if you're good, why didn't you heal my mom? I just hate it, man, and I'm done. And I don't even want to move forward. And everybody's saying, you're so good. Well, why weren't you good towards my mom? Well, you asked my mom the whole time she was sick. She knew nothing but love. She loved Jesus. She knew she won. Her sins were forgiven. She was eternal. She was never going to lose. She was alive forever in Him. She knew it. She knew it. She didn't come out of her bed for 15 years, and when she died, there was no room to park at her funeral because people saw something in her they couldn't lay their hand on because they thought she should have been something else. But here's the key to my mother. She said, I'm not an MS patient. I'm a daughter of God. MS isn't first in my life. Shining is first in my life. And I believe in healing, and I haven't received healing. I believe in God's goodness. I just haven't received healing. I believe he's Jehovah Rapha, but it just hasn't happened in my body but something's happened in my heart. And I'm going to walk in the light as she's in the light. And people were convicted by her and moved by her. And at her funeral, there were some nurses and there were some doctors that came to her funeral. That's unheard of. They don't have the time to be at their patients' funerals. They can hardly keep track of who died. But they're standing there, and I had the microphone. Because I did mom's funeral. My dad said, I don't know if you can handle it, but I, I'd be honored if you could do it. I don't know who could better represent your mom spiritually. And I'd be honored to pray about it and see if you could do it. I said, are you kidding? I'll do it, Dad. I don't have to pray about it. Yes. Never thought of crying, Rick. Never even crossed my heart. It was a trumpet blast, man. It was glory to God on behalf of a mama that understood that never left her life become what she was going through. She left her life become what he went through. Her identity was wrapped around Christ in her. Do you still believe in healing? Do you still with all your heart without slipping into religion go after and contend and believe and be sincere when you're believing for people that we've been praying for? Yes. But above all things, we keep our heart in the truth of why we're here and why He really came. Did He come here for well-being or did He come here for transformation and new life? So if He doesn't change the way we seek, then we're missing the point. So until He changes the why in my life, I haven't understood. Like your reason for being has to change. You can't wake up for the same motives you did before you were saved. How can you live for yourself and fulfill the kingdom? How can you not deny yourself and fulfill the kingdom? 
See, if you don't deny yourself, discouragement is rational. Frustration is a given. Things that we've been our whole life, we accept as normal. Next thing you know, we're just following our own experience while we're singing, we're following him. But he never taught us any of those things. We call them normal. You can hardly preach this stuff today because of this. Well, brother, you got to relate. You can't be in denial. you got to keep it real. That's what we say. And then all of a sudden, we lord our experience over his ability to change us. And all of a sudden, our experience trumps grace. And grace empowers us to be what we've never been. Yeah, but brother, you can't tell me. I mean, come on, man. Everybody has their moments. And you're telling me we're not. I mean, yeah, we're just people, man. We're just... Where did you get all that language? Did Jesus teach you that? Or did life? Experience. Circumstance. Are you reading men's resume or are you reading Christ in you? Yeah, but man, I knew a guy. He was close to God, man. And he stopped. Are you following him or are you following Jesus? Why do you need a justification to stay the same when God's called you to change? Come on, if you're sitting here tonight and your heart's hurt and frustrated by something, if you're mad at God, I'm telling you straight up, you're being deceived and you don't realize it. It's not that you're evil. You're not a hypocrite. You're being deceived and you don't realize it. You're thinking against the potter and all you are is clay. And you've got to get back in his hand because that's where master creativity is. That's where all the skill is. That's where, that's where you get shaped and molded. That's where you get unveiled into the, your life in Christ. Are you with me? Come on, you can't afford to let things hurt your heart. You can't take account of suffered wrongs. You can't say that you're walking in love and letting things bother you and hurt you and you can't let go and I can't believe they said that. Well, how come they? Well, they should have known better. Well, that hurt. Be real with me. Jesus never taught us that. So where did we learn it? He's the good teacher. He said, let no one be your teacher. You have one teacher, and he's the Christ. Well, if Jesus never taught us that, where'd we learn it? And if we didn't learn it from him, did we learn at all? Come on, I'm, I know it feels aggressive. I can't help it. It's just raging in my heart. This thing is raging in my heart. I feel God saying, let's all go the same way. Look what it says. Look what it says. Oh, it's still here. Isn't that amazing? It didn't even change. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Let me just lay this out real quick and brief for you. The faith is the perspective we're all to have of who we are and why now that he came. Unfortunately, that has not been taught in my life, in my circle, in my experience, and it might not have been in yours. Like Paul writes and says, as you have all been taught. And the truth is, when he's saying some of that stuff, you look at it and go, I was never taught that. And it's not that people are doing right and wrong. It's not about that. I think we're well-intended. I think we just get misinformed and we start teaching what we've been taught. We start training what we've been trained. And we're not really looking for anything because we believe we see something. But if what we're saying isn't producing Christ, if it's not producing light, if we're not failing to, to uh, grow weary in well-doing, we should be... We should be failing to grow weary in well-doing. We should be winning at running the race worthy of a prize. But there's a lot of discouraged folks going to show up at church on Sunday. 
And that's a dead giveaway that we don't understand the gospel. And you're taking life personal instead of the calling and the identity that you have in Christ. You're missing the why. Why you seek needs a shift. There's a lot of discouraged people going to show up at church on Sunday all across this land. And it's an indictment against us that we really don't truly understand why he came. And then what we say is, oh, come on, man, that's over-preaching and hype. You're telling me everybody gets discouraged, man. You're living in la-la land. That's hyper, man. That's how people get around this message. And they let our experience speak louder than his grace. Let me quote a scripture for you. It's Hebrews 12.3. It's in your Bible. It says, consider him. Consider who? not ourselves, him, who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, least you be found weary and discouraged in your soul. What's he saying? Discouragement is never permissible. It's outside the lines. It's a form of deception because you're considering yourself, not his kingdom. Come on. Consider who? You know what it says before that? Looking unto Jesus. Who's Jesus? The author and the... Woo! That literally means the beginner and the perfecter. He's the one that started this thing and going to wrap it up if you keep your eyes on him. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You look to Jesus because he started this thing called faith and he's going to finish it if you keep your eyes on him. Who? Now here's his example. Who for the joy set before him endured the shame and went through the pain of the cross. Why? Because there was something greater to see and look at and accomplish that he actually went through that thing. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, we're supposed to run this race with endurance. We're supposed to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us. Did you hear what he said? Every weight, there's two different things. And every... The weight isn't sin. The sin isn't weight. There's two different things. The sin is just flesh desire apart from his kingdom. It's just you living for you. You satisfying you. Your flesh, impulses, desire, passions. Watch this. Selflessness has no platform for sin. We don't understand this. We just think Jesus didn't sin because he was God. But he calls you to follow him. And be holy as he's holy. I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm talking about pure heart and grace taking you as far as it can. You can hardly talk about this in the church without some blasphemer heresy whistle blowing. Well, I could show you so many scriptures where you're supposed to reckon yourself dead to sin and alive unto God that he bore your sin and my sin in his body on a tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness and by his stripes we were healed. I could show you in Hebrews 10 where the old covenant wasn't good enough because if it was good enough, the worshipers once perfected would have had no more consciousness of sin, which means the second accomplished what the first couldn't. (laughs) Oh, man, I could just go. I got about four more in me right now. (sighs) But you can't hardly teach this stuff because people are just sin conscious. Well, brother, we're not perfect. We always sin. What are you saying? You don't sin? You're freaking me out. You're saying you're perfect? You don't sin? You're probably sinning now. Don't even know it. (laughs) And we've been trained to boast in our ability to fail and think it's humility instead of unbelief. (sighs) How can I reckon myself dead to sin and boast in my ability to commit it and call it humility? 
called the Lamb of who? Nobody taught me that. They just said, now, brother, just understand you're always going to sin, and that's why God loves you, because you're always going to sin. You're a perpetual sinner. Sin's just pouring out of you, man. It's oozing out of you, dude. You'd be glad for the blood, because you need the blood, because you are nothing but sin, dude. And one day he's going to judge you as if you didn't sin, but you sinned a thousand times over, and that's why you ought to love him, because he loves you. It's not the gospel. It's not even close. You guys okay? (laughs) I'm getting nervous for you right now. Stuff going on in me. Little grunts and stuff going on here deep on the inside. So we all come to the unity of the faith. The faith. The Bible says established in the faith. Obedience to the faith. Build up in the faith. He's talking about a perspective that we're all supposed to understand and live by. Who you are now that he came. Are you with me? I do this all the time. I pick out somebody. Come here. You can help me. I usually try to get somebody with a different ethnic background or different racial background, but I just pick my little buddy. Now look, aren't we good looking guys? Now, let me ask you this, though. Do we look anything alike? Would you mix us up? Is there anything about us that looks the same when you look at us, really, like to, to mistake us? Like, once you get to know us, like right now, would you ever say, hey, are you Dan? Would you mix us up? There's a lot of diversity here, right? Okay, now watch this. So he's not me. I'm not him. I live in PA. He lives right here in Texas. Watch this. And he's way younger. I'm going to call him way better looking. And I'm different and he's different. Watch. We can both go to bed tonight the same way for the same reason. Be thankful and understand we can both wake up tomorrow for the same reason. Understand. And on Monday morning when I'm back home, God willing, I'm going to wake up in my bed. Watch. And live to walk in the light. Wake up to shine. He's going to wake up and live to walk in the light and wake up to shine. That's what makes us the body of Christ. That's what makes us one and that's what makes us an army. Are you with me? So in all our diversity, the diversity in this room is undescribable. And yet we can have true unity and walk in one faith, one heart, and one mind. And yet the diversity in this room is undescribable. You can't even put your finger on it. But yet we're an army that all wakes up in the morning for the same reason. You're with me? Thanks. That's what makes us one. That's called the faith. So you contend for the faith. Watch this. Satan, Satan, hmm, he just, what a jerk, huh? He's just looking. He's just looking. He's just looking. Don't you give him place. Paul said, don't you give him place. Paul said, don't be unaware of his devices and don't give him place. The Bible says he's roaming around like a roaring lion. And don't say, yeah, but he ain't got no teeth. No, he has teeth and he's hurt a lot of folks. Because he tricks them and he gets them to not believe and he gets them to not care and he gets them to violate their conscience and he gets them to live condemned and he gets them to believe shame and guilt and cut them off from the finished work. Oh, he's a jerk. He's a deceiver. Here's what he does. He roams around, looks through the crowd, seeking whom he may devour. Just seeking whom he may devour. The Bible doesn't say rebuke him, shout him down, tell him where to go. 
He reminds you of your past. You're going to remind him of his future. No, I would tell you, stop talking to him. He's a cut off withering branch coming to nothing. And he loves when he gets your attention. He loves you to be distracted by who he is. And honestly, when you get distracted by who he is, it's a good sign that you probably aren't established in who you are. Your fight's not with the devil. Your fight is the good fight of... You see where your fight is? Your fight ain't flesh and blood. You fight the good fight of... And the just shall live by... And it's impossible to please God without... Now see, when we hear that, we hear displeasure. But he ain't talking at all in that scripture about displeasure. It's impossible to please God without faith. That doesn't mean displeasure if you have no faith. What it means is God can't enjoy the pleasure of watching his son or daughter walk in the fruition of what he paid for and what they're created for because they're not living by faith. They're getting beat down by lies. doesn't mean he's displeasure. It means he can't take pleasure in you walking out truth. He can take no pleasure in those who draw back. When we read a scripture like that, you know the first thing that comes to our mind? Displeasure. It has nothing to do with displeasure. While you were yet a sinner, it doesn't say God was displeased. It says God sent His Son. And when sin was abounding in your life, grace was abounding much more. And that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. For God so... He didn't say for God was so frustrated at wit's end with humanity, He finally sent His Son. Come on. The faith. It's a perspective we're all called to live by. If you let your ministry be your identity, if you let your friendships be your identity, if you let your marriage be your identity, if you let how people see you be your identity, if you don't get your identity established through the finished work of Christ and understand you're accepted and beloved, you're righteous in His sight, you're holy, blameless, and above reproach, that He's your Father and you're His child, if you don't get settled in the accomplished, finished work of Christ and start where He finished, you'll let something else Decide who you are and how you are. Ministry is a big one. Standing up here, you're gifting. It's, it's dangerous to be in things like that if you're not established in who you really are because then what you do starts telling you who you are instead of who you are defining out how you do. Are you with me? Come on, it's very important. I've watched leaders and ministers get discouraged. I've met countless over the years. I, I don't even like talking about that part. I've met countless people. Oh, yeah, I used to pastor. Oh, yeah, I used to, oh, you don't know how hurt we got. Man, people just didn't this and that. And all of a sudden you realize we're doing things for the wrong reason. We had a dream. We're trying to build something. Yeah. Come on. Don't tell me he ain't leading me tonight. Got the heavens rumbling now, buddy. If you could have really heard that, he probably said, like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. (laughs) 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 Bring it on, Lord. Man, God, you're messing me up now. I'm not even going to be able to finish. Come on, we got to be settled and secure in Christ. There's, there's so much hurt in ministry. There's so much pain in churches. It just proves we don't understand the gospel. Guys, there shouldn't be nitpicking, backbiting. There shouldn't be he said, she said, tit for tat. We're supposed to be a holy nation, a holy people set apart. We're supposed to be like sanctified and set apart. 
not living in the same talk show mentality as people that don't know the Lord. Come on, I wish somebody just talked plain and said it straight, man. What are you going to do, get mad at me and hate me? I, come on. What are you going to do, kill me and I ain't never going to die? Just make it quick. Hit me right where you need to. Seriously. See, that's the we freak out over death. You're just going to be joking like that. That'd be tragic. That'd be terrible. I know we make it tragic, and I wish people wouldn't do that because people have destinies and all that stuff. But the truth is, dying ain't the end of nothing. For a believer, you shouldn't have no fear of death. He's the end of the fear of death for those who believe. So when you have fear of death, it's an indictment. You don't believe. You're, letting, you're a Christian for this life, not that life. You're not, you're, not, you're not building ships, man. You're not writing legacy. You're not living for that day. You're trying to get through today, and you're using the gospel as a survival kit. That's why you're not doing well. And all of a sudden, Jesus is your genie in a bottle. And all of a sudden, God could fail you. He's the table waiter, and the steak ain't done. And I wish you'd take it back and get it like I asked. And then he doesn't do that, so you don't tip him. It's just... It's just it's just true, man. And our perspective of him gets twisted in the messages we've heard. We've been trained to think in contrary manner. Our minds have worked in wicked manner, the Bible says. So all of a sudden, you just get tricked into thinking for yourself. Think how easy it is to get in the line of thought that just all of a sudden you feel sorry for yourself. Now be honest, no matter how tragic the scenario and the facts are, how can you feel sorry for yourself if you denied yourself and you're seeking first the kingdom? Now, just be honest with me. Don't get mad at me and try to contest that. Yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. Stop. You need to run that by Jesus. Don't, don't compare yourself to me. You run that by Jesus. Who did perfect and never did wrong and got crucified on a cross, stripped naked for being totally right. Come on. When you were wrong, it was hard to take the repercussion. But when you were right and treated as wrong, that was a freak out. Be real. In your life, when your good was called evil and you meant well and people misinterpreted it as evil, that was a freak out. Why? Because you're trying to find your identity through doing good. You're not finding your identity through him. It's not established. And what men think moves you. And if men don't think good of you, then you are violated because you're established on others. Come on, man, people are a member of a church just to get loved, acknowledged, appreciated, and encouraged. And then they believe the church failed them, and then they say, well, I ain't going back there, it ain't loving. Should have been loving, you were there. But see, but see, you have the facts, and you have a beef, and it's a talk show mentality. It's a self-centered deception. And you know what you do? You end up bumping into other people that feel the way you do, and they become your little group, and they become your support system, and everybody stays the same. And ain't nobody shining, but you're reading the Bible and you think you're prophesying. But you ain't shining because you're hurt. Can you hurt and shine? If you're hurting, you ain't shining. If you're shining, you ain't hurt. I read in my Bible that love takes no account, not some account, no account of a suffered wrong. Then why are we so busted up by each other? Because we haven't been perfected in love, and some of us haven't even known to pursue that. We're pursuing to be loved, not become love. Here's what happened. It's a real easy summary, and we'll get back to this. Are we all okay? Okay, because, man, I feel really good. I'm hoping you guys are doing at least okay. 
Well, just because it's just, I got the easiest thing in the world. I just hear her and speak and have fun doing it. Blame God if you don't like it. I read in Genesis, you guys ever read this? Let us make man in our, and in the likeness of God, he made man in the next verse. Right? Both male and female in his likeness. So God made man in his image, in his own likeness, he made them both male and is that in your Bible, verse 27, Genesis 1? So did God make man with intention? Does man have created value and purpose? So the whole reason man showed up on the earth was, was to manifest the image of God. Okay? It's in your Bible. So he said, don't you eat the tree over there of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam. The day you eat the tree... You have dominion over everything. You have everything in the garden you'll ever need. But don't go over and eat that tree. It's the knowledge of good and evil. And the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. He ate the tree. Eve was deceived. He followed his wife instead of heeding the voice of God. He ate the tree. Did he fall over dead? But God said the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. So something had to die. People say, well, his spirit. But we don't understand what that means. It just sounds spiritual. Well, what died? His creative value, his identity, the image was lost. What's the best way to describe God? How's the word describe God? I know he's omnipotent and almighty and majesty and you can come up with the names of God, but God's love. He doesn't do love, he is love. God is love. So he makes man in his image. Guess what he made man? He made man to be filled with all that he is, to manifest all that he is, to the whole earth be filled with his glory. That's why he kept telling the children of Israel and telling Moses the whole earth will be filled with my glory as the waters cover the sea. Why? Because the whole purpose of man was to be fruitful and multiply. That doesn't mean have sex and get pregnant. It means manifest the image and multiply the image through your family. He made them both male and female in his likeness, in his image, and blessed them and said, be. The whole context is his image. The psalmist says it this way. What is man? What is this man that, that you're mindful of him, that you would visit him, that you would give him dominion over the works of your hand? Like, what is up with this man? What's about man that he would be your crowning glory and creation? What I'm preaching is what's up with man. He has a creative value, an inheritance, a purpose in God. Moses, or Jesus came in Matthew 18, and, and he said, he said, uh, that the Son of Man came to save that which was lost, not who. He came to save something, not someone. And in saving the something, He'll save everyone that believes. What He came to save? That which Adam gave away and lost. The day you eat the trees, the day you surely die. What happened? Adam died. He lost his identity. He was no longer walking as a son. He got separated from God. Watch. He got cut off from the source of love and the source of life and became dead inside. And watch. Instead of being love, became in need of love. And Romans teaches that every man since that day was born into Adam and you must be born Again, what's born of flesh is flesh, but what's born of spirit is spirit. Now watch, every man on the earth was born into the deficit 
of the need of love. Not one of us in this room had a clue of who we were. You needed valued. You needed a support system. You needed security at a very young age. You needed all those components, and they weren't there for many of us. You got laughed at in grade school. You knew they were making fun of you. And you either became a fighter or an introvert. You either became low esteemed or a hardened heart. But no matter how you responded, it wasn't you. Because you had this need. You had this deficit. You had this self-centered thing like I did, like Adam did. And we were all born into Adam. And you must be born and then we turn born again into a beneficial prayer we pray to go to heaven someday. Wow. Instead of a life transformed and a motive different and him changing the way I see, so he changes the way I seek. Are you with me? So Adam eats the tree, and what was love becomes in the need of love. So Jesus comes and takes away the problem, sin. He takes away the sin of the world, puts his blood on the mercy seat, and his blood speaks Better things. He raises from the dead in John 20. He says to his disciples, he says to Mary, go tell my disciples. He didn't say my low-life, two-faced, backstabbing. He's not a hurting savior. He doesn't need a sabbatical. He's not carrying the cross halfway to Golgotha and then gets a revelation. What am I doing? I ain't dying on this cross. Are you kidding me? Look what they've done to me, Lord. They're a bunch of idiots. I've done nothing but good. I've healed their sick. I've cleansed their lepers. I've raised their dead. They want to release Barabbas, and he murdered a man. I raised the dead, and they want to kill me? He causes conspiracy. I'm trying to bring peace. There's a problem here. If they didn't change by now, they probably ain't going to change, and I ain't dying on the cross. If they hit me with one more stick, I'm telling them. Come on, did anybody ever think this way? We just expect him to be this way because he's Jesus, he's the Lord? Or is he love manifest? Is he a man walking out truth? Is he modeling a life that we're created for? Is he saying, sing to me and pray to me? Or is he saying, follow me? I am fully preaching the gospel in your house. Are you with me? Yes. Come on, this is for the newbies, my fresh meat people that never heard me before. This is where I get this stuff. Come on. I was religious my whole life. I would have told you I was a Christian. There wasn't one thing Christian about me because Christian means a little Christ-like one. And I'm not getting legalistic, and I'm not questioning nobody's salvation. But see, we put our, all our emphasis on, am I going to heaven? And we say, are you saved? We mean, did you pray that prayer? Instead of you healed, delivered, protected, preserved, kept whole, and made safe and sound. Jesus said, if you come after me, if any of you want to follow after me, there's something you really need to do. You need to deny your... Why is that first? Because you were never made for you. We just saw you were made for his image. Now, I'm not a politician, and I know my hair is really white, but I'm not the wisest man on the earth. Greg's hair might be a little whiter, so he might be. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whoever the president is and the time isn't the problem. ISIS and all that stuff. They're, they're problems, but they're not the problem. Racial conflict, as subtle or as abrupt as it might seem sometimes, isn't the problem. Here's the problem on the earth, that every day even Christians wake up and live for themselves when they're made for God's image. That's the problem on the earth. 
And because of that, there's fights and skirmishes and schisms. And Paul said, when those things are among you, aren't you living as carnal? Why is it so permissible to have an attitude in the church that's unproductive and destructive? Just because you have facts that surround and support your attitude. You don't have Jesus to support your attitude because you can't find it in him. Why are you so legit in that attitude? How can you deny yourself and have so many rights that can be violated? When you deny yourself, you give up your rights. They were all given to you by Adam, not God, so you could possess one right to be more like him. Come on, I'm just preaching straight up gospel. I can show you so many scriptures that qualify and back this up. Colossians 3 says you ought to put off everything of your flesh. Kill it and put it to death. It doesn't say manage it and find a healthy balance. It says kill it. Kill it. Put it off and put on the new man. And then it says, here's the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. And then it goes on to say it's tender mercies and loving kindness. And he talks about putting all these things on. And he says, above all, put on love. Because it's the bond of perfection. So here's the raw truth about everything I've said tonight. The faith. The faith is you and me becoming love. And even though Satan's roaring around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, we resist him standing steadfast in the faith. We never lose the perspective of who we are in him and why we're here. And we're going to let our light so shine before men. And we're going to walk in the light as he's in the light. And we're going to prove it because when we're betrayed, we're not going to live betrayed. When we're done wrong, we're not going to live done wrong. When we didn't get as much play in time as the other, we're not going to quit the team. Because you didn't sing the song I wrote. We're not going to find a church that wants to sing it. No, you probably ought to put it in a drawer somewhere till you get a grip on your heart. Thank God they didn't let you sing it yet. Somebody probably had some discernment whether they knew it or not. We're taught to encourage each other and everything. Who knows that's cool when it's pure? But here's the twisted part that we don't talk about. If I need you to encourage me, every time you do, you feed the sickness. If I need a thank you, every time you say thank you, it's not good. Now, you don't know that. That's not your fault. I'm to steward my own heart better and be my own accountability partner. But if I'm serving in a ministry to be appreciated, things are backwards and I'm on thin ice and it'll be soon that you don't appreciate me the way I feel like I deserve and now I'm offended. So then I never was serving at all. I was serving myself. I was trying to get something from you instead of become something for you. Come on, I'm just preaching solid gospel. Wow. Yeah. yeah? Can we finish? You guys good? Can you take just a little bit more and we'll wrap it up? What's our schedule this weekend? I got a little men's breakfast thing in the morning. And then what, tomorrow night? Oh, man, we're good. I'll keep them a little bit. No, we're, I won't be too harsh on you. I'll be all right. Let's just, let's just watch this. Man, this is scary. My Bible keeps flipping to Ephesians 3. <laughs> we're going to come to the unity of what? Okay, we're all going to go the same way tonight. We're going to understand the same thing. We're going to pursue something. No matter where we're at, and we'll see it in Philippians real quick, and no matter where we're at, we're going to have the same heart, the same mind, and we're going to run the same way. We can all, we can all grab a hold of what I'm saying. Listen. The thing I'm preaching right now, if you wrap faith around it, 
you can live this way no matter what's going on in your life and who's doing what and who ain't doing what. Here's something I learned a long time ago, and if Jesus will teach you this this weekend or tonight, if this is the only thing you leave with, it'll be unsurmountably immeasurable in your life. If you leave here tonight and establish this in prayer and you actually mean this and believe this and ask Holy Spirit to work this in you, leave here tonight and you say this in your heart, from today on I'm going to grow in this truth that nobody owes me a thing. I give up my right to be disappointed, failed expectations. I'm taking everything off of men. I'm done trying to find myself through people because I'm done being as strong as the weakness around me. I'm going after God and I'm going to let Him establish the truth about my life. wonder if you'd bring this into your marriage. Nobody owes me a thing. Wouldn't it be amazing to have no more little controlling, manipulative, silent treatments and body gestures and, in our marriages? Don't. If you already elbowed your spouse, I was definitely talking to you. You missed the whole point. If you elbowed your spouse, you missed the whole point. I was talking to you. And if you elbowed him back, you're both it, man. You're it, man. I, could, I, I knew somebody got an elbow. I felt it. Mm, somebody. I, I felt my spirit get elbowed. Mm. Uh, you. Because see, you know what you're doing? You're listening to the sermon for them. So now you're going to see how they responded to what I said instead of you become the truth of it. And then however they respond will decide how you are, and now your life's being led by them, but you'll call Jesus Lord. Whew, that's just good, solid, straight-up marriage counseling right there. <laughs> so see, that's how I marriage counsel. I say, are you born again? Yeah. You born again? Yeah. Well, then uncross your arms, look at each other, hug, because you love each other and you owe each other nothing. So let's go. Go home and be good. <laughs> go be Christians. <laughs> you born again? Yeah. You born again? Okay, live like it. Go. Just go. Be honest. Who's pastors and leaders here? Who does any level of counseling? Let me see your hands. Somebody needs to shout me down and tell me if I'm not right. 99% of counseling is people struggling with people. I know every once in a while it's how do I get through this situation, you know, with my job, my employment, my raise, my... But 99% of the time, it's people having trouble at some level with people, coping, dealing, keeping their heart guarded, just frustrated, don't know what to do, and why hasn't God changed them yet? And I've been praying, brother. Probably for the rest of your life. Because <laughs> God won't empower some twisted motive. He's not going to answer the thing that's coming from the wrong place. My wife prayed for me for 13 years to change, and I got worse. <laughs> He's backing that one up. She prayed for me for 13 years to change. Cried and prayed, and I got worse. And after 13 years, she gave up, and I said, yay. I'm going to move on with my life. I wasted my time with you anyway. That's how mean I was to her. I said, what did I waste these 13 years with you for? I was as brutal as I could be to make it hurt because I was refusing to be hurt. Oh, so bad. About five months later, Jesus came and rescued me from darkness and saved me. I was ready to make some big mistakes. We hadn't been together. When she found out I was saved, she was furious. Oh, she was living. God, I'm so mad at you. 
thinking I'm just playing a game. She came to me. She said, you're just trying to make the family side with you. You're coming out like you smell like a rose, like you're the good guy trying to put all the blame on me. It ain't going to work. And I did that to her. She didn't have the revelation we have now. I ran her out of gas, man. I ran her battery dry. I said I loved her and had no idea what love was. I was so selfish, it was ridiculous. Every I love you was I need you. Every I love you was for me. It's what I love usually means in our lives. We say it at the right time to get the right thing. We say it to smooth over. We say it to win over. Sometimes we just say it to buy the moment. And the reason it works is because so many people in desperate need to believe they're lovable. So when they hear I love you, even though if it doesn't look like it, they'll buy it. Because there's such an identity crisis going on in people. So the words win the moment. So my wife challenged what she prayed for for 13 years. Isn't that a quandary? It's not her fault. She just didn't see any difference. She's, she's an amazing woman. My wife is extraordinary. I'm not saying this because I'm supposed to or making up for telling the story. She might be the kindest person I know in my life. She's amazing. And you would want her praying for you. She's, she's that kind of lady. But in this season, she was hurt by me, and she didn't have the revelation. We all change. He changes what we see, changes what we see, right? So now for seven weeks, she fought vehemently what she prayed for for 13 years because rationale said, well, even if you change, it's too late. I'm not even giving you the chance. You hurt me enough. It's too late. You should have changed sooner then, which is amazing because if you're changed, you're changed. You're not the same. So, But it's just the way we, we've been trained to talk this way and think this way, and we think it's wisdom. It's called the way that seemeth right, and that's the problem. It seems right. But when you look at what that attitude produces, it can't be God because there's no life. So for seven weeks, she fought tooth and nail to break that thing that she prayed for for 13 years. And all she wanted was for me to buy in and slip or react or cross some kind of line to relieve her own troubled conscience because of the way she was living. She just wanted to go, aha, and then get her focus on me so she didn't have to look at her for a minute. Seven weeks in, God came in the bathroom while she was doing her hair to go out on the town. She told me she had the curling brush in her hand, and the Lord walks in the bathroom. You know what she did six months before? She was in her bedroom after I slammed her with my words on the porch, and we decided we're done, and I was brutal with my language. She shut down and decided she's never going to let me make her cry again. She went in the bedroom and determined that. And then she told me she looked up at the ceiling, listened to rationale and analytical thinking. She looked up at the ceiling and said, and you, watch, I'm done with you too. I prayed to you for 13, 13 years I prayed to you, and you've done nothing. In fact, he's worse. You've allowed me and these children to suffer through hell, and you've done nothing. I don't need you told me she made a fist and walked out of her. Makes sense to the hurting. Makes sense to the angry. Somebody in this room runs the risk of saying amen. Oh, I hope you get static on that. 
the Lord walked in the bathroom uninvited. He's a pretty secure dude. This acts like he owns the place, man. He just walks in the bathroom like he's Lord. Secure as could be. Feelings ain't hurt. He's love. He walks right in the bathroom and he says, hey, Kim. And she goes, she told me she went, because he was standing there. She couldn't see him, but she knew he has that ability. Who's ever had an undeniable encounter with God? He said, Kim, why are you so angry with that man? Talking about me. (laughs) Separating me from her anger. Because the man she's looking at, his facial features and her memory says it's me. But God was saying that ain't him anymore. You're mad at the wrong man. He said, why are you so angry with this man? Can't you see? She said it was like somebody ripped something off of her eyes. It was a spiritual experience. It was like, it was all the years of unforgiveness, unreconciled, un- years and layers of stuff that was blinding her heart. He rips it off her and she's like, he said, that's not even the man you're angry with. In fact, Kim, I love, this is my favorite part of the whole testimony right here. Because God can't lie. He said, in fact, Kim, that isn't even the man you married. I have made him a brand new man. <laughs> Woohoo! So guess what she does? She crashes to the floor crying in a fetal position, undone. And the Lord hovers over her, and now he's making peace for the six months ago. Guess what he says to her? It's true, Kim, you prayed to me for 13 years for your husband to change. But you don't understand that I couldn't answer your prayers. You bound me from even moving on your prayers. Because never once did you pray because of mercy or because you loved him. You only prayed because of your pain. Kim, you allowed him to reduce you to another hurting wife that prayed. I can't answer your prayer and leave you there because that's not me. You never prayed because of love. She comes running out in the yard. She's crying uncontrollably. I'm working in the garden, and I see her coming, and she's coming hard. I'm looking for knives, spears, machetes. <laughs> Actually, what happened was when I saw her running to me crying, I thought a tragedy happened. I thought she got a phone call, and somebody close to us died, and it broke all the craziness for a moment. I thought it, tra- it took a tragedy to break the... And she's just running dead at me, crying her little eyes out, but she's saying something repetitive under her breath as she's running, and as she got closer, I could hear it. She was going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. And she went, bam, and grabbed into me and wrapped around me and planted her little head. And I went, Whoa. It was messy. It was very messy. It was a very messy moment. It bothered me that she was saying she was sorry, but here's what happened. God took her eyes off of me and got her eyes back on her. She started to heat her own life and get her eyes off of me and stop letting me be the excuse for her demise. That's what God shifted She kept saying, she's sorry, she's sorry, she's sorry. And it bothered me because I was sorry and I wanted to say I'm sorry that I never loved you, that I beat you down, that I was so selfish and could I please have the honor of just being Christ-like in your life because I believe I love you. For the first time in my life, I believe I understand love and I would be honored to be your husband. I wanted to tell her all that. But she just blew all that and took all the thunder of that because she's so busy going, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, she's a little princess in this thing. She didn't do nothing wrong, right? 
And, and, and I said, Kim, stop saying you're sorry. Are you kidding me? I've this and I've this and I've this and I've this and I've been so wanting to say I'm sorry because I've never. And then she said, no, I'm sorry. I said, how could you possibly be sorry after the way I've been a husband or have failed to be a husband? She said, I am so sorry for never loving you in prayer. I went, what? She said, I knew if God changed you, it would make my life easier. I never prayed once out of mercy for you because you didn't know who you were or see who you were. I never prayed because I loved you. I prayed because I was hurt by you. Forgive me. And I went, God didn't say, and I understand how you felt that way, Kim, because he has been been bad. I mean, he's put me under a few tests, actually. I mean, I need a little counsel from the 24 elders. I mean... All of a sudden, we let time change truth. And that's a problem because truth makes you free. So if time changes truth, then there's no hope for freedom because you're still deceived. So we cried and held, and it was messy and emotional. And I told her that I wanted the honor of being her husband in Christ. And would you give me that chance? She said, you mean there's hope for our marriage? I said, are you kidding? I'm finally ready to love you. And then I renewed my wedding vow to her. And you know what it was? Watch this. Psychologists would just tack you to a tree for this. I'm not against psychologists. I'm just saying there's a secular mentality that says marriage is a lot of work. Marriage is 50-50 marriages. Here's what my wedding vow was in the Holy Ghost, seven weeks old in the Lord. You owe me nothing in this marriage but to receive the love of God from me. And as long as I draw breath on this earth, I'll serve you in his unfailing love. And she said, okay. <laughs> so we've been doing that since. June will be 25 years. 38 for our marriage, 25 of it in Jesus. The first 13, bummer. Jesus redeemed it though. So we're going to grow in the knowledge of him, the son of God, to a complete man. So why do we need the unity of faith? So that we can become complete, the body of Christ, a complete man, watch, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man, he ain't playing when he calls us the body of Christ. He's saying till we become the full expression of him. Not talk about miracles and power. Talk about heart. Talk about love. Talk about motive. Your will be done on as it is in. So we all use that as a faith tool to pray for the sick. No cancer in heaven. No cancer should be on the earth. Now we have faith to pray against cancer. I'm not saying that's wrong. But isn't it amazing how we take that prayer and always equate it to the power of God instead of the heart of God? Is there any animosity in heaven? Is there any unforgiveness, bickering, backbiting, discouragement, stress, frustration, strife, valid anger? Okay, your will be done on as it is in. Sounds like we're to come out from among them and walk in the light as he's in the light. Not be conformed in the world, but transformed because our minds are renewed. Yeah? To a complete man, to the full measure of the stature of the fullness 
of Christ. Watch that we should no longer just be tossed to and fro. Like, like children just tossed, right? And carried about. It's, it, it says wind of doctrine, etc. And trickery of men. It just means by all the other adverse mindsets, mentalities, and attitudes that are out there. Watch this. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in how many things? May grow up in all things into Him who is the head and He's who? Christ. Ain't that something? Let me read Philippians and I'll be done. We're going to pray quick. You all guys okay? You hanging in there? Okay. I'm an hour ahead of you. You know it's 20 after 10 to me, so you got to catch me. I'm from Pennsylvania, so I was up at 3 in the morning. That was 2 your time, but 3 my time. You didn't let me take a nap or none the day. I didn't even ask, did I? I was doing all right, wasn't I? You see how tired I'm getting? You see how I'm wearing thin, don't you? I got you by an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that ought to scare you right now. You ought to see it when I'm in California. And I'm just like this at 10 o'clock when it's really one. <laughs> And they get real nervous. They think, I'm just going to have to walk out on this man. But nobody leaves because the preaching's too good. So. No, no. Listen, I'm just having fun with you. Paul talks, Paul's amazing here in this. Watch this. Let's just read this. Oh, Lord, where? What? Well. Okay, I'll just sum you up. Paul's talk. Ah, I'll just read it. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, watch this. For me to write the same thing, you say, well, I heard this message before. I heard him preach this, or he preaches this all the time. To write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. <laughs> and he's talking about beware of people with wrong motives, beware of people that are into works in the law and legalism. That's really all that language means right there. And for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Now watch, Paul says, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else think he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. He's just talking about his birthright, and he explains it. I've been circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So he had some things that he could lean on and get some things from, prestige, esteem, Seen a certain way according to the law, Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, right? Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. So he could, he could have tried to take an identity through his flesh, birthright, inheritance, and some of these facts. And what he's saying is, these things that seem like they were a gain to me in this religious world, I'm counting them all lost. I'm not going to lean on any of that stuff, okay? So he counts all these things a loss. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now watch. And be found in him not having any of my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Why? That I may know him. Now that's the key right there. That's the goal. That we might know Him. Not know about Him. Knowing about Him will convict you. Knowing Him will transform your life. 
Do you know 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, if you love, it's because you are born of God and know God. If you don't love, you just don't know Him. Didn't say you don't see your need for a Savior. Didn't say that you weren't sincere and didn't ask for forgiveness. But it does say this, if you don't love, you don't know Him. Didn't say you don't pastor. Didn't say you're not an itinerant speaker. Didn't say you don't go on the mission field. But it does say if you don't love, there's one reason you don't know Him like you could. Which means He's so influential and so amazing that if you know Him, you'll become more like Him and who He is to impart into you. Wow. This is really, really important. Paul's saying everybody go the same way. Remember when I said about uh, Mary and she saw Jesus raised from the dead and Jesus said, go tell my brethren instead of my bunch of blow live backstabbing. He called them family. He was saying... I still see you the same. You didn't change my mind. When he came to his disciples, what did he say? I'm going to my Father and your Father. I'm going to my God and your God. He made them one with him. When he came back later in the day, the same evening, what did he say? Peace unto you. Why? He made peace through his blood and put it on the mercy seat. Then he showed them his hands and his side and they were glad and saw it was the Lord. And he said, peace to you the second time. Why? Because their souls skipped a beat when they realized it was the Lord and they knew they betrayed him. Can you imagine the feelings that came over them when they all know they ran and they all said they'd die? And he's standing there and it's him. And, the, and he says, peace be unto you. It's a different peace than the first peace. The first is peace through his blood. The second piece is, hey, relax. I know how you're tempted to feel right now, but I love you. Come on, stop. It's, it's not an accident. They're there right where they are. And then he does something amazing. He said, you find me a limit in this. Remember in the beginning, Genesis? Let us make man in our... And in his image and, and in his own likeness, he made them both male and... Okay, so is Jesus the Redeemer? Our Redeemer lives. Redemption means brought back to original value. Bought back to original value. He takes you back to the beginning. Watch. Let us make man in our, in our own likeness. Watch this. Here's what he says to his disciples through his blood that's now on the mercy seat. Peace be to you. Hey, it's really me. Whoa, hey, peace. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Does that sound like oneness? Does it sound like image? Does it sound like same representation? Let us make man in our... As the Father sent me, so I send you. And what's the next thing he did right after he said it? He breathed on them and said, receive Holy Spirit. He didn't say receive Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Why? What did God do? Let us make man in our image, in our own likeness, and give him dominion. And what did he do? And man became a living soul or being. The day you eat the tree, Adam, is the day everything in that breath leaves your life. And you'll be separate from me, and you'll be a God unto yourself. It's the day you surely die. Don't eat the tree. You were never made for the knowledge of good and evil. You were made for my image. Jesus... Blood speaking better things. What's he do? As the Father sent me, so I send you. Day one, as if sin never happened. Because of the power of my blood. That's right. You get it? And he says, if you forgive the sins of any, guess what? They'll be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they'll be retained. Sounds like he's giving them permission to not forgive. But he's not. Here's what he's saying. If you love them like I've just loved you in the midst of your failures and weaknesses and brought the best out in you and gave you the kingdom, 
If you love them the way I've loved you, they'll know my love. But if you don't love them the way I loved you and you don't forgive them the way I forgave you, how will they ever know forgiveness when you're the body of Christ? It's right there in your Bible. So Paul gets all this. Paul gets all this. He ain't just trying to get people to pray a sinner's prayer. He's getting Christ formed in people. He wants us to run a race worthy of a prize. He says when he's in his dying day, watch he say. He says, I've run this race. I've finished this race. And he has that, and people have that on their refrigerators. Because it sounds so poetic and moving. But we better get that he understands this gospel is full of purpose. And we ain't waiting for the bell to ring. You get it? Watch. Not that I have my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith through Jesus Christ, that righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Not being understood, being uh, falsely accused, being talked wrong about, being misread a thousand times over. we got to stop letting all that stuff move us and let Him establish us, right? So the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. And that's just a flat-out selfless life. Watch this. Paul says this. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected in this thing that I'm talking about. Do you hear the goal? Do you hear that he has an agenda and a goal and an intention? Not that I've perfected. Watch this. He says, but I press on, watch, that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ laid a hold of me. What's he saying? I understand that Jesus did this with intention and purpose. And I'm going to go after that intention and purpose until I grow in it so that I become what he paid for. It's in your Bible. This thing is not about a life insurance policy. Christ Jesus had laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He's saying, I'm growing in this truth, but I know enough to write about it. And I'm going after it. And he wants us to follow him. Watch. Watch. This would behoove us. Watch. But one, not two, one thing. The one thing I do to apprehend, to keep moving forward. There's one thing that I do. Not two, one. Not two, one. I forget those things which are behind. Come on. It's the biggest tragedy in the body of Christ. Yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. Yeah, but you don't know what it's like growing up. But you don't know what it was like last time I went to church. Well, it's hard for me to go to church, brother. I just put up some walls because trust is hard, and somebody I really thought I could trust, and they just broke my heart, and I got these little walls up. Ah! we got to stop this. What are you, little superficial walls? Come on. If you're your own defender, he's not your defender. He's not your rock and defense. If you're defending yourself, that's why you're getting overrun. The rock and the defense of Christ is the change of where you're seeking and what you're seeking. What we were singing. You guys getting this? I don't count that I have apprehended, but one thing. I forget what lies behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. 
It sounds like this man is so full of purpose-driven intention that he understands why God sent his son. And he's not going to be satisfied until he grows in it, and he's not satisfied until he makes it clear to all of us till Christ be formed in us. You get it? It's so powerful. So he's pressing forward. Therefore, therefore, watch, because of this, in light of this, let us, let who? Okay, as many as are mature. You say, well, see, brother, I'm just new and old. See, whoa, 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 slow down, stop. Have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise in anything, God will reveal even this to you. Watch. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained and arrived, let us walk by this same rule. And let us be of this same mind. This is the unity of faith. This is one faith, one mind, one spirit. This is you and I. This is our little illustration. This is you here, me and PA, waking up for the same reason Monday morning when the conference is over. Yeah. You get it? Let us, let us, to the degree that we've attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. And then he talks about people walking in other ways that lead to destruction. And then he says, our citizenship is in heaven. So the kingdom of God is here. Where is it? I'm looking at it. Are you with me? Can we live this? Absolutely. Does it take faith? Absolutely. He says, don't throw away your confidence in Hebrews 10, 35 and 6. Don't throw away your confidence. It has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after the will of God is done, you can receive the promise or the reward. You get it? So we're going to do two things real quick. We're going to, I'm just going to pray over you guys if you'll let me. And uh, I'll give this to you and just keep that right there where my jacket is so I don't lose track of it. Can't go unarmed. You can tell I'm not unarmed. <laughs> yeah. I got my bag checked at security. They saw my Bible. It looked like a black mask, so they had to check it. She said, anything sharp or anything? I said, yes, ma'am, be careful. There's a sword in there. <laughs> and I said, that thing will cut you so quick. It'll get you right in the heart, I promise. She said, you better not have a sword in there. I said, oh, it's right on top, and it's the sharpest sword you've ever seen. She opened the white one. Oh, you. Oh. <laughs> I have fun everywhere I go. This guy had to check me. I didn't have my driver's license. He said, I need to do a strip search for you, and do you need a private room? I, his name was Joe. He's a black gentleman. He's a little older than me. I chuckled. I said, Joe, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> he said, uh, crevice search. I said, crevice search? He said, you can have a private room if you want. I said, you know what, Joe? I'm a pretty secure man. Just get it on. Let's get through this thing. <laughs> So he's doing his crevice search. Yeah. Oh. Oh. 
I said, Joe, you're a man of the Bible. I'm, I'm saying this while he's crevice searching. I said, you know the word of God? He said, yeah. I said, man, right now, this moment, right now reminds me of scripture. He said, he looked up and he said, what? I said, and Abraham knew Sarah. <laughs> Because right now, Joe knew Dan. He lost it. But see, you just have fun, man. You just have fun. <laughs> it was a crevice search. <laughs> I can attest to it. <laughs> but we made it through, my brother. I'm going to pray over you all, okay? You know why we're laughing like this? Because he don't want you leaving here thinking, I got a long way to go, or... Man, I'm barely saved. No, you got somewhere to go. You got direction. There was light put on the trail. This ain't about how far you got to go. It's about where you're called to. And if we can all start going in the same way, we're going to get somewhere together. And we're going to follow those who we have as a pattern and an example. And we're done letting hurt feed hurt and hurt justify hurt and hurt blame away truth and are you with me? I wonder if you settle in your heart tonight that nobody from this day forward, I'm going to lay this thing as a bow in my heart and I'm going to trust God, give me grace. And it's not about failing, it's about becoming. Because if I go after this thing, even if I find myself over here where I don't want to be, I'll see it because this conviction's in my heart. And then I run right back to God. I don't get naked and ashamed and hide. I run to Him, not from Him. And He changes me. Just think how powerful it would be if in this room, this one room, this one room, this army, this is Gideon, come on. This is an army. He doesn't need masses. He needs some people that believe. Just wonder if this room within our sphere of influence would start living in a way that nobody owes us a thing and we're going to walk in the light and he's in the light. And you always have something to offer. You always have something to give. And now your sensitivities are high. All of a sudden you're discerning and seeing because your eyes aren't on so many other things. All of a sudden, you're not distracted, man. Things start getting sharp. Next thing you know, God actually gives you a word, shows you something about somebody. Oh, my goodness, next thing you know, you're just flowing in what you're here for, His image and manifesting Him. You don't need a platform. It's called your life. Yeah? You don't need a ministry. You don't need to go run and get a 501c3. You got the kingdom. And it's in you. There's a great marriage. Pastor, I'm not saying this because you don't know it. I'm acknowledging you because you're the pastor of this house. There's a great, I'm not correcting you or anything. I'm encouraging you in this. There's a great marriage between coming and going. And the whole reason we come is to be stirred in loving good works and empowered so we can go. And if you don't marry coming and going, you'll get tricked into trying to do better church but run the risk of never being her. And all of a sudden we learn how to do church. I'm not projecting this on this house. I'm saying this is the risk every pastor runs that all of a sudden he's trying to provide the product that everybody's shopping for. And just do something that draws people instead of do something that transforms people. The biggest trap of every local pastor is missing the marriage between coming and going and just trying to do better church that people want to attend without empowering them to look more like Jesus when they leave. Because the whole reason we come scripturally, the whole reason we come scripturally is to look more like Him when we go. 
Because you just come here, but you live there. You with me? So I'm going to pray. You just open your heart. There's a such thing as grace and it's real. And it lands on humility. It lands on repentance. If there's no humility and repentance in your heart, it's still conviction. It's still the Word. And no matter how hard you try to harden your heart, God's love has a way of reminding you of things He's spoken over you and into you. It's just amazing how gracious and amazing God is. He doesn't knock you down and break your legs like people preach. He woos and melts and wins your heart. And the goodness of God leads men to change. He has given none of us what we deserve. But yet it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. I would say He's good. So Father, I just pray for this house. I pray for every person, every heart represented here. And I just ask that this revelation would just become our absolute reality and the manifestation of our lives. That Lord God, what I heard in the beginning was that we all go the same way. And I pray that this room tonight was empowered by this message to start running in the same direction. One heart, one mind, one faith. Unity of faith, God. And I'm praying that this wouldn't slip. This wouldn't, we wouldn't lose this thing. That we wouldn't get blind to this thing. That months or a year would go by and we'd go, oh man, i got to get back to... No, God. I'm asking you to mark our hearts with this truth and burn it in us that we begin to run together whether we're together or not. That we begin to live from the same place whether we even know or see each other again. God, that we would all be the body of Christ waking up in our spheres of influence living for the same reason, walking in the same way. I'm asking this, Lord, and I'm asking You, Holy Spirit, to empower us and help us in the midst of every mindset and everything contrary to this truth. Take away all stops, all excuses, all yell buts, and you don't know what... God, I'm asking you to expose that and make it look weak in our sight so that we would never dare believe it again. And let the weak say, I'm strong. I'm asking this grace in Jesus' name, God. I thank you this wouldn't just be an event, but it would be an encounter and that you would take these words and let them produce life in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.